Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week, Matt continues our series, Relationship Goals, where we'll talk about friendships, dating, and marriage. Matt and his wife, Lauren, talk through some different questions related to relationships, singleness, and marriage that have been submitted throughout our relationship series by students. They talk through the theological perspective and the more relational side of these questions. We hope you enjoy this message. All right. Great job, guys. Man, y'all are awesome. Guys, give it up for the band. Incredible. So good. Well, guys, we have been over the last... Thanks, brother. Guys, give it up for Scott. This may be... That may be Scott's first time on stage in front of the group ever. Uh, guys, we have been in a... In a uh, series, Relationship Goals. We've had a great time. It's been awesome. This is week six of this series. We've talked about a lot of things, foundational things in our relationship with God, friendships, dating, holla. And, um, and then last week we had a panel uh, with a, a lot of different voices, a lot of different wisdom. Tonight, we truly have a special treat. I don't think there's anyone else I would rather teach with and talk about Jesus with and relationships with for the first time in 15 years, my wife is going to teach with me. I know. She's never before taught with me. And she's like, okay, I'll do it. Like, I'm so pumped. So her parents came. They're watching the kids right now. Like, we've got a night. So we're, we are super excited. I don't want to take up too much time. I want to jump right in. My boo. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and call her out. My boo. My bae. Guys, give it up for my wife, Lauren. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my Hey, babe. Stop kissing me. Don't kiss me. For anyone listening on the for anyone listening on the podcast, stop kissing me right now, babe. This is inappropriate. We're we're she's all over me. She's guys. This is weird. Podcast people are gonna be like, wow, she's like really inappropriate and unprofessional. And I'm gonna be like, yeah, you don't even know. So guys, this is my. Hey, thanks whoever shouted out my name. This is my. um, This is my beautiful bride, Lauren. We've been married eight years, going. Uh, this this October will be what nine? I don't Eight? know. I, I don't, don't even know. know uh, I do know October twenty seventh, two thousand twelve. That's when we got married. So someone do the math on that. Nine years? Yeah. Nine, the, nine years. Yeah, nine year. years this October. Oh my gosh, babe! You're just, coming up with ten. That who said babe, that? Yeah. You're just so me. you're just so beautiful. Like I can't I can't just I can't stop looking. You guys know how distracting it is trying to talk to her like, oh my gosh, stop kissing me, Lauren, for the last time. Something's on his brain right now. You, baby. Um, so tonight, tonight we got a lot of stuff to talk about, some juicy stuff. The whole, the whole relationship series, some of you guys are like, I know, some of you guys are like, I've never seen Matt like this. Well, you've never seen me with my wife. Like, I... I know, I feel like I've been invisible. Yeah, I know. The invisible I, wife. I, there, yeah. I'm real. Yeah, she is real. She's not from Craigslist. Like, hey, <laughs> can you fill in for one night? Like, I know it's a little awkward. Can you fill in? Two years ago, Justin Best <laughs> was our summer, one of our summer interns, and you guys... Like, when you finally did meet my family, I remember you were like, oh, they are yes, real. Like, I they do, do yeah. exist. You aren't making them up. I know, man. So she is real. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about tonight, uh, which I'm really excited. So this um, time together is really driven by, by you guys, the whole series, the whole Relationship Goals series. We've been receiving a lot of your questions, a lot of Q&A uh, questions. And so Lauren and I are going to talk through some of them tonight. So 
if you're sitting here and you're like, man, I, I wish they'd talk about something different. Well, that's on you. You should have submitted a question. So we're going to talk about uh, the questions you guys submitted. And the goal of the night is not necessarily for us to be like, oh, this is how we think about this. Because um, we don't necessarily see eye to eye on everything. We don't necessarily agree on every perspective. But we, we do want to offer our wisdom and advice and um, just, I don't know, yeah, like our, our words into this thing because we were young once and, yeah, once. I'm still young. There was a time. But I am older. Yes, she is what I'm they... I'm closer to 40 now. She is what they call really. a cougar in our culture, okay? <laughs> I am young and spry and Lauren was old and just aged, and she looked around. She's like, wow, there's a good-looking young man. So she couldn't resist. That's not at all how it happened. Um, So we're going to get into some of your questions tonight, and I imagine that we're going to get off on some side trails and rabbit trails. And Yeah, I mean, I know it's surprising. I know you're like, really, Matt? You? (laughs) He literally tells me every Sunday night how long he's gone over. I'm I'm like, like, yeah, tonight, babe, it was like 20 minutes over. I'm like, I don't know. Um, so we'll get off on some stuff tonight, but if, I don't know, if we do finish early, which is highly unlikely, if not next to impossible, but if we do finish early, we might have like open mic, like Q and A. If you guys are like, Hey, but what about this? Like we might go down that road, which makes Lauren super confident. Super confident. Yeah. Cause she thinks on her toes really I'm well. I'm really good at she public loves speaking. I live on in the front stage. Of crowds. Yes. Like this is her jam. Not. So, um, all that'll be good. Okay. Babe, let's let's do Babe. Let's do a little like recap. Let's just introduce them into the journey that is our love, mm. our unbreakable bond. Mm. Um, I I first saw you. <laughs> yeah. He still remembers what I wear. Ooh. For a different girl. I first I met you, saw you. I saw you before I met you because I was watching. I first, but it was all the same. It was all the same morning. Like I, it was all the same day. That's true. So I wasn't that creepy. I, <laughs> I watched you for that. weeks. <laughs> then I met you. No, I first saw you May 18th, mm-hmm. 2008. 2008. <clears throat> she had, she had just finished college, graduated from Clemson. Go Tigers. Woo-hoo. Thank you. Thank you. All in. Uh, and uh, she came home and she was, you were about to travel the world with your father. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys were going to like 11 countries or something like that. Like 14. If, oh, my bad. <laughs> like super cool graduation gift. And so you were only in town, I don't know, what, a couple weeks maybe? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I saw you May 18th, 2008. Now I want you to like hold that thought in your mind. So some of you guys know, I, I've shared this story before, but um, my past, and, and we'll probably get into some of this, is just so broken. And, and I made so many clown mistakes and bozo moves and all this stuff. And I was just foolish and promiscuous and blah, blah, blah. And so I, I just never really learned how to do relationships well. And it finally got to the point, my junior year of college, where I was like, I'm, I'm done. And so I spent a year fasting from relationships, in a sense. Like, I, I just didn't even entertain the idea. And I would, I would, like, even, it sounds weird in hindsight, but I really tried hard not to even, like, talk to girls one-on-one very much. I just didn't want to even dangle the t- temptation because I've committed to the fast, and I didn't want to meet some girl, and I'm like, oh, wow, she's amazing. Like, ooh, we'll just talk a little bit, but I won't date her. Like, no, I didn't want to do that. I was like, no, I need to be in my zone. So during that whole year, though, this girl I kept hearing about all the time was Lauren. Lauren, like, people would come up. I don't even know who these people were. They would just come up and be like, hey, do you know Lauren Jones? I'm like, no, I don't. Who are you? I don't know you either. (laughs) 
Also, I didn't go to his college. So yeah, we didn't go to the weird. same college. She's up in Clemson. Like, how would I know this group? People were like, oh, dude, Lauren Jones. Lauren Jones. You got to meet Lauren Jones. I'm like, well, first of all, you got to tell me who she is. Like, I, I don't know her. Oh, she's Clemson girl? Like, n- no thanks. I mean, no offense to Clemson, but it was like, I'm fasting because I love Jesus and like distance, man. Like, I'm not, I didn't want to even consider. So that whole year was just peppered with all of a sudden your name just kept coming in to my life. It was so bizarre. And it came from a few people I really loved and trusted. And some people, I don't know why they thought to tell me. And then my roommate as well. And that whole time I was like, dude, no. Like, I, <laughs> so when I saw you that morning, you already know all this. I'm just feeling you guys. And when I saw you that morning, I was like, uh, we were in church, which is the place to meet your boo guys. Like that's quality. We were in church and I turned around and I saw her and I was like, it's her. Like just this allure because I'd heard about you so much for that whole year. And so like, I was super nervous um, to talk to you and yeah, man, like who wouldn't be? Are you kidding me? So like girls, y'all are scary. Some of you girls were like, I'm not intimidating. <laughs> like you guys just don't even, you guys don't even know the, the power you have on a man. Like you, like you are intimidating, man. You're, you're terrifying. So I, I was like, I don't know what to say. So I worked on some I worked on some openers. Some real good openers. Yeah, I was like, yeah, this is how I'm going to slide in there. Uh, DMs weren't a thing yet, so slide into her (laughs) face-to-face DMs. (laughs) This is going south. So anyway, the service was done, and her dad actually called me over to meet her. That's good. Yeah, seems like a good start, right? Yeah, seems like a great start. When the dad's like, yo, meet my daughter, it's like, okay, the only daughter who's available like you were his last you were his last yeah yeah um and so for him to like hey meet her that was I don't know I think he was just being polite but yeah because he I don't know anyway uh so Lauren what what (laughs) so basically I was in a real good mood that day yeah my dad and I had been arguing yeah which if you had known the Lauren back then oof so calm and gentle I mean I know that no girl in here suffers from things like getting hangry and I might have gone through that a time or two. Oh my gosh, guys, like how did we make it through those days? Like I know girls in here, you guys don't struggle with getting hangry or bad attitudes or you have a fight with your dad and you just take it out on everybody No else. attitude I ever. I know nobody in here struggles with that, but my wife did, okay, that morning. Also, I've never had an attitude in my life, ever. Yeah, super not. So anyway, it was a bad day. It was a bad day. Yeah. Also, I didn't want to be dated or liked or anything because of my dad. And so yeah. my dad bringing these guys yeah, yeah. over, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. That makes sense. That makes sense. It, was, it made sense in my mind. Yeah, so anyway, um, our first meeting was not love at first sight. No. Well, like what you Please see in- tell them your first line. Well, no. What you see in, <laughs> what you see in movies and Hollywood and Hallmark and all this stuff, is, it was not that at all. In fact, we didn't talk to each other. Uh, I, think we saw each other I think we saw each other one more time over the summer. And it was kind of like this awkward, like, I feel like, oh, polite to do this. How was your trip? So it was just a really weird summer. It was definitely not love at first sight. We had a terrible first meeting. You were in a really bad mood. You guys, the first thing he said to me, I will say it if you want. Guys, take notes. Because take notes. Some of you guys were like, oh, that's lame. Well, look who's married. Okay. (laughs) Are you you married? Don't think so. I am. So take notes. He said... How old are you? Yes. That was his first line. So How he was, old are you? He was volunteering in it's, the... It's direct enough, but mysterious enough at the same time. Like, it, it makes sure her, it makes her curious, but also, like... 
Which no. just kind of puts her in that zone of, I'm I on thought, edge, but I, I want to know more. I thought he thought like, I was in the high school. Like, I thought he was interning <laughs> in high school. And I was like, Dude, are you kidding me? I turn around. I see this girl I've heard about for a year. I'm in a bad mood. And she's, My dad's and she's bringing these people drop over. drop dead beautiful. I am super <laughs> intimidated. And back then, I was, I was doing some, like, amateur bodybuilding. And I was in the... I had a <laughs> no show. Video, no I had a competition coming up in two weeks. Or one week. I don't remember. Um, and so I was in the final week of cutting weight. And so I was dehydrated. I was just on a weird diet. I mean, I was just so out of it, man. Like, I was not feeling myself. And man, just super intimidating and gorgeous. And I was like, how old are you? <laughs> like, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah. <laughs> I said it with some swag though. You always add an extra study. You're always like, ha, 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 how old are you? Know? I was like, yo girl, <laughs> how old are you? Yeah, it was nothing like that. It was terrible. Um, so the fact that we're together is really remarkable. So if any one of you are like, yo, I've had terrible first impressions. I've had terrible first meetings. I don't even know if they like me. You can turn around. You can turn around. Yeah, you can, guys. It could be your soulmate right there. Like, that, that might be the sign you're waiting for, you know? You're praying for a sign from God. Like, that was a terrible first meeting. He might be saying, yeah, that's your sign. That was it. So it works for us. So anyway, we, I don't know, we didn't talk to each other all summer. And then you moved uh, to Columbia, where I went to college and we just started hanging out and I found myself being in the places that I suspected you, guys, you might be. Guys, found out where I was going to be and he was there. Yes, I, yes, I did. Some might call that stalking. <laughs> I call that... Intentionality? I call that effective pursuit. Okay. <laughs> listen, listen. Y'all, he borrowed a friend's dog to yeah. walk around me at my brother's soccer game. I was like, yo, like, dude, your dog? I was like, yo, dude can, I, can I borrow your dog? Because... Well, guys, what's one thing that will get a girl, at least in your proximity, and there's no like, oh, we gotta talk, no, it's a dog, that's the key. You get a dog, and they come over, oh, what's his name? Oh, how old is he? Like, all of a sudden, you're talking, and it's not even about you, it's a great icebreaker. And so, yeah, I borrowed Mater, and uh, rest in peace, he's, he's gone now. I know. He was the one, babe. He, he was, was our one. connection. So I borrowed Mater, and I, I, uh, her brother played soccer, and so I'd go to the soccer games, which pff, I've never played soccer in my also, life. Also, I'd wake up early to work like, out, and guess who started coming bright and early? Yeah, I hate, I hate working out early, but I was like, oh, early. you're here? Wow. What? I'm also a weightlifter myself. Maybe we should talk. Like, it was bizarre. And then the library. So natural. Um, she'd use our campus library, which you shouldn't have done. You're not allowed to do that. But she would, Such and I would buzz. be like, oh, Lauren's in the library? I guess I'll go study. Uh, like, I got a homework to do. Uh. So anyway, um, I found out, you know, where you'd be, and I'd try to cross paths with you. And I mean, come, you guys are like, oh, that's weird. You do it too. Don't even pretend. Like, don't even pretend. If you could, if you had the freedom, if your classes weren't pre-assigned. You guys know, when your crush is walking down that one hallway, you're like, oh, maybe I'll go that way today. Like, don't even pretend. So... Um, but it worked because we started talking. <laughs> we started talking, and that was back when Facebook messages were. Oh, dude, a thing. nothing was. Please yeah. let me tell you his first. No, please, hey, message babe. Hey, in seriousness, in, in all seriousness. <laughs> hey, I'm really asking on that. I'm really asking on that. Anyway. Okay, I love it. Uh, I just got red. <laughs> anyway, so here's the deal, though. Lauren had a lot of mistrust. She had a lot of like, yes. um, I don't trust boys. I definitely don't trust you. Uh, and without getting into, into too much of it, like um, you took a few vows in your youth and your wisdom. One vow seems very heavy, but you, I did. Yeah, you vowed never to date a dude in ministry. I didn't want to. Yeah, never, never to date a pastor. 
never to date a dude from the school I went to. I did. Um, I said I didn't want to. Yeah. You made yeah. a lot of vows uh, that you broke for me, babe. You're I did. not. I mean, I did it for you, babe. Gosh, how can I trust you now that I think about it? <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but she was worried. She had a lot of trust issues because guys have gone after you before. Uh, I mean, your dad's really well known in the Christian world. Founded a missions organization in the '80s. Five headquarters globally. Incredible thing. President. He was the president of my university. Um, he's on the board of a lot of business. I mean, just you know. So in your mind, it was like I wanted to be known for me, yeah, yeah, not yeah. my dad. In your mind, it was like I don't trust dudes because you're yeah. you want me because my dad. And what was funny is in my mind, it was like the one thing that's holding me back from all this is your dad. Mm-hmm. Like I I didn't want to date you because of your dad. Right. Because I just didn't. Like, I'm not the cookie-cutter ministry dude, and I don't know. I just had a lot of whatever. So it's funny. You didn't, you didn't trust me, and I didn't want you. That sounds harsh, but I didn't want to be with you because of right. your dad. So, but then when we finally started giving each other a chance, it all worked out. You did. Um, so we started dating. Lauren was super hot and super cold. Very confusing. Very confusing. I know none of you have experienced this in your lives before. Uh, like, we'd have one date where you would just be affectionate and like, <laughs> you know, like, you know, how, this is, guys, this is, some of you guys are like, I don't know what a girl gives me a signal. If, if a girl seems interested in your life, that's a signal for one. But if she does something called the arm touch giggle, <laughs> and, all, yeah, and all the girls in the room right now are like, oh, he, he knows. Yes. So some dates, some dates the whole thing would be like, <laughs> like, like, yo, yeah. Uh, and then other dates, I mean, just ice. Wow, that's funny, Matt. Okay, wow, so dude, here's like, the backstory of that. Yeah. Half of our relationship, the beginning half, really was, we, we say that it was, it was me working on my issues. So a lot of my that's issues true. were, yeah. I had some trust issues, I had a lot of disconnect from figuring out my emotions and processing my emotions and then creating words to those emotions. Yeah. Very Com- difficult process, you guys. Communicating. Yes. Yeah. AKA communicating. Yeah. <laughs> Is this, this is the guy who can do it? No, I'm um, we're all in the... So uh, a lot of those hot, cold feelings were I had this distrust. I didn't know how to process it in a healthy way. Yeah. I didn't know how to communicate it. So we did have yeah, a really we, difficult... We had a lot of... We, had a lot we of, talk all the time. We're so surprised we, we don't know how together. we made it. Like, we I'll tell you right now. I don't know how we're married. Lord. I don't know how we got through our I dating stuff. I mean, because there would literally be... So between the hangry thing, which peppered our dating life like oh my gosh like I remember <laughs> one of our first dates yeah I remember sitting in the truck and everything was going really really well and all of a sudden I, I said something to you and I just remember your attitude in that moment and I was like what did, <laughs> what did I do like you went from like <laughs> arm touch to like I'll kill you <laughs> oh my gosh he's never dramatic and and it was all because of food like I have learned man my wife needs a snack like it's just part I of our do. She, she's an er nurse uh she's an er nurse she would work 13 hour shifts when uh, some, in some of the early years of our marriage and you would come home just so grumpy and i and i finally i was like hey babe What's do you that? think you could like put some almonds in your scrub <laughs> pockets and just maybe like like a little just nibble on them while you're doing your rounds and honestly when you started snacking even if it was just on your way home it was like a completely different woman coming in the door so between that and between like the hot cold we had a really rough dating and then you you we do joke around her baggage came out in the front end all my baggage came out in the back end of our dating relationship and almost tanked the whole thing so the fact that we're together is really i mean it's jesus like we 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 
committed to the process and we really worked through some hard things, which honestly made our first year of marriage fantastic. We, we lived in a farmhouse built in 1935, 36, um, like no insulation. I never ran the AC and I never ran the heat, not once, because it was just a waste of money. It would just go out the window. And so you worked night shift as a nurse, as a nurse for our first year of marriage, you worked night shift. And so there were like half the nights that we were married, I would go to bed. Uh, I could see my breath in the master bedroom because I wouldn't turn the heat on and just like, <laughs> like I'd get in the, in the blankets and someone gave us a dual um, heating blanket. That was, oh, our that was money. Gift ever. but we didn't have internet. We didn't have TV. Mm-hmm. Um, we had raccoon living in the attic, rats mm-hmm. in the walls, mm-hmm. um, a weird like satanic pentagram thing didn't have much money up on the attic. No, it was a, it was a, <laughs> it was an interesting first year, but we were so strong as a couple mm-hmm. because our dating, our dating. I life do think dating really, we did. Really, we were, we did the hard work. We yeah. even went to some mentors and counseling some together with communication. That was one of our biggest issues still. Yeah. Is. yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah. So I, I think I'll get into some more because I'm sure maybe they want to know like, oh, what was your baggage? Like, what, what was that stuff? And it'll come out in some of the questions, I think. But I want to start getting into these questions because, do it. I mean, they're not, as much as they love us, <laughs> they probably want to hear more about like what they're actually curious about. So let's get into some of these questions, babe. All right. Question number one. You ready? I'm so ready. All right. Let's start us off. Question number one. Uh, let's see what we got here. Are women created... <laughs> <laughs> Are women created just so that man will not be alone? That wasn't me. So, so Lauren, I'll defer to your wisdom on this. I'd love to hear your perspective. No, I, I, were you going to say something? We, we, so... My wife truly does not love to think on her toes. So we, we kind of went over some of these. And, and uh, th- this is a great question, honestly, because if you read, if you read the book of Genesis, um, you see a couple of things going on. You, you see God using his words to speak creation into account. Everything that was made is made through his words. The author of Hebrews says, says that Jesus is holding the world together through the power of his word. So the word of God is speaking life, 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 life. And then all of a sudden he starts to create man and woman and he uses his hands. God uses his hands. Very different than the rest of creation. But before Eve comes along, God is making everything and he says, man, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good. Here's man, that's very good. And then all of a sudden you you find the first, this is not good in the scriptures. And God says what's not good is for man to be alone. Like everything God has made so far, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is very good. And then all of a sudden, man is alone, and God says, this is not good. And so it's the first not good thing, even before sin has entered the world, which is really interesting. And so what we see from the scriptures is that what God defines as not good is for us, whether it's man or woman, it's really for a person to be in isolation. That's what God says is not good. And if you look at Genesis 1, chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, it says that we are created in the image of God. Or in other words, God has instilled part of his identity in us as our identity. And there are things about us that reflect him. One of that, one of which is God is Trinity. He is three in one, Father, Son, and Spirit. And so God is a community in and of himself. And whenever man or woman is in isolation, that is not good. We need people. And so the scriptures say that from 
Adam, God created woman, because he could find no helper suitable for him. And, and the reason I think maybe this question surfaces, and it's a great question, we're starting off with a doozy tonight, um, is because that word helper has kind of been, I think, misunderstood in American culture, unfortunately. Like, you guys, you guys understand on a personal level, you carry baggage. You guys get that concept. Well, apply that same thing to an organization. Businesses, organizations, movements all create baggage in people. And unfortunately, the church over the last few decades, I think, has created baggage in some of the ways it thinks about marriage and the roles of man and the roles of women and all this stuff. And one of those baggages, I think, is this idea that somehow women are less than, somehow uh, a wife's role is like domestic and it's the man's duty to make money. And, and all that's a cultural emphasis, none of which is biblical. And, and so the word helper there is this Hebrew word, which uh, is ezer, and it's the same word that's actually applied to God in Psalm 33, verse 20, that God is our help and our shield. And so the same word applied to helper is the same word applied to God. It's not some belittling word. It's not a demeaning word. It's not like, oh, Eve is the helper around the garden and Adam is the man who takes care of stuff. No, it's, it's actually what it, what it more is getting at is, is a partnership, that God has given Adam things to do and yet he's doing them in isolation, and that's not good. We need to find someone suitable to partner with him in this role that I've given him uh, in this world. And so, are women created just so that man will not be alone? No. Isolation was not good, so God created a suitable partner for Adam. But it, it would be the same if women was, were created first. I think God would say, no, this is not good. We need someone, a suitable helper for her, a suitable partner for her. And, um, and I, would, I would note, by the way, creation was finished with a woman. Like, there's something to that, that, that the world was not done until a woman was made. And that's when God said, now we got to go. Like, so, so women have a, a very unique and distinct role and a place of high value all throughout the scriptures. Uh, in fact, that's one of the things you see Jesus do in the New Testament in a culture which belittled women and, and subjected women and treated women very poorly not just um, Jewish infrastructure, but Roman infrastructure as well, what you see Jesus do is elevate women and give them a status and empower them and, uh, and trust them. And it was the women who first reported the resurrection. And, I mean, they were the spokespeople of, of the resurrection before anyone else. I mean, I, yeah, so are, it, are women just created so that man will not be alone? No. Man needed a suitable partner, and God uh, created a, a woman for that role, but that's not her only role or purpose. She's unique and distinct and God has purpose and uh, things He's for showing her. God's a very relational God. He wants mm-hmm. relationship with us, but he also wants us to have community and relationship. So yeah, I think it's less about focusing on the woman and man and more of the relationship idea of it. Mm-hmm. That's a good question though. Yeah. Companion. Yeah. I need you, boo. Yeah, boo. It's not good without you. That's what God says. <laughs> I so need God you. All right. So, yeah, I think, I think that's, yeah. a, that's a good answer. Okay, number two here. We, we kind of got, I, I, there's going to be some that we spend a little bit of time on. And by the way, my sweetheart, I think she's one of the wisest people I know and truly gives some of the best uh, perspective and, and advice. Uh, but self-admittedly, she would say, oh, I'm not super theological and oh, I don't know all yeah, the I theology the and stuff like that. And so the roles I'm going to try to take tonight are I'll, I'll tackle some of the theological components and you tackle some of the just 
Sounds like a plan, my man. Wisdom and advice and stuff like that. I think that'd be great. All right, so number two. I've been single for a while. (laughs) You're not alone. But it just seems like all I'm doing is waiting. I don't know that God, oh, I'm sorry. I know that God is supposed to be working in me, but I find myself discontent, jealous, or comparing. So not a question here, but more of a self-declaration. Hey, this is me. I'm single. I've been single. I keep hearing, man, God's doing something in you. Season of singleness. He's working in you. All that stuff, right? Uh, but I find myself discontent, jealous, or comparing. Anyone ever feel this way? No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> oh, me, man. I just, I, I want someone. Um, I think, yeah. What do yeah, you think? I think uh, the first thing that came to mind when I read this question was, um, you're not alone. But also do the hard work now. These feelings and emotions, they're not going to go away just with the title of girlfriend or boyfriend. Oh! Just with the title of husband or wife. Um, Do the hard work now. It's going to help in the future Mm -hmm. for sure. Because once you do add another partner, you're just going to have more to work through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think... um I'm going to say it like this. This, this, is one, this is one of the reasons I love my wife, y'all. Uh, my wife is so sweet and so kind, and she has this amazing ability. I've, I've, I've never met anyone like this. She, she's magnetizing, like she draws you in without polarizing. So in other words, she attracts everybody and doesn't make anyone feel like they don't belong with her. I've never met anyone like that <laughs> in my life, which is really remarkable because she was like, I don't know, in a lot of ways... I don't know, like the typical, like you were captain of your cheerleading team and you were an athlete, (laughs) but like you just have a heart for everyone. Uh, It's just so amazing to me. Gosh, I love you. And, and she's so sweet. And in our marriage, one of the, one of the ways we compliment each other is Lauren is like, um, like if we're hammering in a nail, Lauren, Lauren would be, you know, you've got the nail in between your fingers. You just kind of like, I just want to be gentle with this. I want to be very precise. And you just tap, 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 right? Yeah, I'm coming. I'm like, I wonder if I can get this one shot. Like, I just I just hit. I'm a little more blunt. And so I love that about you, babe. And I love your advice. Here's what I would say. I think, I'll just say it like this. If you're not happy when you're single, you will not be happy. When you're dating, you will not be happy when you're married. Uh, we, we, we've got this thing in our culture and in all, in all, in all honesty, it's, it's kind of poisonous. It's not kind of, it is poison. Um, you see it in the movies, you see it in Hallmark movies, you, you watch these chick flicks and, and you, you just hear all these stories and with social media, you compare, 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 compare and you just don't see anything behind the scenes and it's so easy to fantasize about something that will never actually be true because it's not real. And even the phrase like happily ever after, somewhere in the back of our minds, we've begun to, to change that into I'll be happy after I find someone. That's happily ever after. And that's just not true. If you're not happy now, you will not be happy in a relationship. In fact, the discontentment you feel right now, the jealousy, the comparing, those things will actually be amplified because you never took the time to work on it. And so I would say this, if you're in the room and you're single, I would say embrace the singleness. Like... Zach, thank you, man. Thank you. Yes. Zach. Yes. Yes. Friend zone is an identity that we should embrace. I would say, I would say embrace the singleness. Because look, it, it's really easy to, to want and wait 
uh, for something, like the title of relationship. Like, I'm just waiting. I just, I just want a boyfriend. I just want a girlfriend. I'm just waiting to be married. It's really easy to wait for something. It's very, very hard to wait for someone. Um, because if you're waiting for something, you'll settle. Like, oh, all I want is to be in a relationship. And then you've got no standard of what you're looking for. But waiting for someone is very different. And then all of a sudden, you know what you want. And hopefully you know who you are. You're working on yourself. I would say this too, like singleness is a gift. For some reason in our culture, we're like, oh, you're single? Weird. But singleness is a gift. It is your time, and you only have a limited amount of time in it. It is your time to work on yourself. It is your time to build foundational things in your relationship with Jesus. Those become much harder in a relationship. Those become much harder in a marriage. Those become much harder harder when you're a, a mom or a dad. When you're single, is the time to really get to know yourself, to know who you're about, to, to understand how God has made you, to find your purpose and your identity and, and things like that. If you're craving the infrastructure of a relationship, and that's like what your life is oriented around, like, oh, hey, Joe, how you doing? Uh, uh, it could be better. You know, I'm still single. It's like, gosh, man, like, that's what's going to fulfill you is, is the relationship. If your life becomes oriented around relationships, then even when you get in one, what I've seen over time is the people who have made being in a relationship or marriage the thing have the most uh, troublesome and discontent relationships I've ever found. But if you can find contentment before someone, then you actually have incredibly healthy relationships later. And so, I, I, man, I, I guess I would say God is working in you. If you're discontent, jealous, comparing, those things don't go away simply because you found someone. Uh, or if they do, they only go away temporarily because you're lying to yourself. And eventually then all your stuff starts coming out. And now you're going to try to deal with it while you're in a relationship. And it's always so much harder. So foundational thing, if uh, I don't want to spend too much time here, but go back and listen to my first sermon in the series. It talks all about this. Before there's ever a you and someone, there's you and God. And what does God want to do in your life and in your heart before that someone comes along? And then even after there's you and someone, there's still you and God. So what does he want to continue to do? So yeah, contentment, I think. Thankfulness for the season. Asking the hard questions, too. Why? Why am I discontent? Why am I jealous? That's great. Do the hard work. Yeah. yeah. And enjoy, yeah, enjoy life. Man, our culture, our culture is so dumb. Like, our culture is just like, they romanticize relationships to the point where they're just so fictional. And even when we get in a real one, because it's not like the movie or not like social media, we just feel like, oh, this isn't, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Maybe something's wrong with them. And we just keep looking for an invisible person. Like, yeah. They will never come. We're just not real with ourselves. And we, don't even, we haven't worked on ourselves. We're allowed God to work on ourselves. Mm-hmm. By the way, you, you tend to want to date up, right? Or marry up. Like typically when you think about someone you want to date or be with, you're always like, ooh, <laughs> out of my league. Hopefully, like you always want to like, guys, okay, y'all are pretending tonight. Y'all are acting like this is not you. Guys, you know what it's like. You're like, I mean, I'm a solid seven, but I hope I date a 10. <laughs> you know, like maybe I can... Maybe in the right lighting, she'll think I'm a 10, right? You always hope to find someone who's better, right? Like, uh, uh, who, who's going to pull you up. The reality is, everybody thinks that way. They're thinking that way. If you're not doing the hard work of working on yourself or allowing God to work on you, the, the 10 that you're trying to, hopefully trying to find, man, they're trying to find a 13. They ain't, gonna, they ain't about no six. So guys, take... I mean, it's just the reality, man. It's just the reality. So take your season of 
singleness, your, your time of singleness, which is temporary, to allow God to start cultivating you to become the person that he's created you to be. And stop getting distracted with all this shallow comparison and discontent. Man, that's just so, it's just not worth it. It's not real. There's no substance there. So, all right, I'll move on. I, I can get off on that one. Okay, number three. Is it wrong for someone to not want and or have never wanted to be in a dating relationship? So this is like the- I can start with that one. This is like the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. I'm not struggling with contentment. <laughs> I'm struggling with attraction. Like, I don't even want these jabronis out here. Right? Like, <laughs> you guys are fools. Um, well, I will say I tended to be more like whoever asked this question in high school. I was a very independent person. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, to a fault at times. And um, I just didn't feel the need to have somebody to complete me. Um, I really love to learn. I'm a self-declared nerd. I really love sports. I at times have been told I'm like an old soul. Like I just got along with people that were older than me. I had older siblings. My personality just got along better sometimes with guys. I had a lot of guy friends. Um, I just never had this like desire to have this one boyfriend that I'm always with. In fact, that was kind of like, oh, didn't sound fun at all. Um, but I, sorry, but, um, again, how we made it, I do not know. <laughs> Honestly, like that, uh, became a roadblock for us. I'm a very logical person. And so a lot of times I made those decisions with my mind, which I think can be a good thing, but I went to the extreme of not even connecting with my emotions. And when we started dating, he actually had this line and he doesn't even remember saying it, but, um, we came to one of our times where I was doing the hot, cold thing and um, we were having a lot of communication issues, and it was because I wasn't communicating my emotions, because I was so used to being in my head and making those decisions with my mind, that um, he said, Lauren, I want to date all of you, even your emotions. And I was like, ooh, like, I don't even know how to do that. That's right. Um, So I think there's obviously a very good balance, um, but I tended to be that way in high school, and then I think you have got a lot of growing from high school to young 20s. I think just the human, not saying that high schoolers are immature or anything like that. I'm just saying there's a lot of time there for growth, a lot of life experience to go through. Do you see her, do you, do you hear her tap the nail gently right there? <laughs> You've got a lot of growing to do. I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I'm not saying you're immature. I'm just saying, um, she's so good, man. She's so I'm good. just saying that there is a lot of time for life experience. And I think you learn a lot through that. Yes. Um, I went through this time right before Matt and I met. Um, I had a lot of disappointments. I did travel the world with my dad, which was awesome. Got a job in Florida, and then I got really sick, and I had to come back to Columbia, which I never wanted to live in Columbia, never wanted to live with my parents again, but I needed to be on their insurance. So I was in a very discontent place, and I started this book about silence and solitude, and um, I really think it changed my mindset. It changed this independentness about me, this attitude about me, um, and it reshaped my heart. So I think that even if you might, whoever this person was, or if you relate to the person that asked the question, um, even if you may feel that way right now, I don't think you necessarily need to see it as a negative thing because if you're walking with the Lord and if you're really like trying to shape your heart towards his, I think he can change a lot of things that you may never Mm -hmm. think would change. Like I never thought I would go for a guy in ministry and look where I am. So, and I love it. I'm so thankful and I wouldn't want it another way. Mm. 
um, again, I'm telling you, life has so much to offer. So I think a lot of times where we get the danger is saying we're here, we're only going to be here, we're staying here in any way of it. Yeah. And either not wanting to be dating somebody or really wanting to be dating somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say no. I, in fact, I'm like, oh, amen. Like, heck yes. I, I would just say, make sure it's not rooted in like fear or insecurities or pride. Like, I don't want you like just stuff like that. But if it's just like, dude, I'm content in life. I don't want to be in a relationship. Dude, amen. Stay there for as long as you can. That's amazing. So, yeah. All right. Number four. Great answer, by the way. Who's better at parenting? Who's who, better at parenting? Who, during quarantine, when Lauren, they were having to, like... <laughs> Lauren is... Let's just, Lauren... We had this, like, game you, where you, you had are, to answer those questions. You know what I'm talking about? You're the Instagram goals. You're the goals. One of the questions was, who's better? And I told... You're the vibes. No, but really, I am the one that is parenting more often throughout the day, just because I am a stay-at-home mom, so... Yes. Mom's there. Thank you, babe. Um, but I do... I would say Matt is incredibly consistent. He is by far more consistent than I am, mm-hmm. especially with disciplining, especially with like driving home right. like the I'm a hammer. foundation. <laughs> I'm a hammer. Um, so I think we definitely complement each other. Yeah. And I'm very thankful for his consistency when life is crazy. Yeah, I don't know who asked this. I, th- I think it's probably a joke. But um, no, Lauren is the most amazing mommy I've ever seen. And I just think we complement each other so well. So we have three kids. I mean, you guys know, I talk about them every week, but um, one is five, one's two and a half. And, oh man, he's in a stage right now. And um, our little girl's eight months. And, um, and yeah, we, we, we just complement each other really well. We, we approach it together, and I think in really great ways, because you are very comforting and soft and empathetic. And I'm probably more stern and structured and, consistent in things but I mean it's just really cool to to do with you one of the things we we uh do with our kids we we have taught them we speak uh, to one another in three ways in our home us included adults included we speak clearly we speak calmly we speak kindly that's how we that's how we speak to one another clear so we communicate what we want because sometimes man the, the kids will get so upset right like oh, I want it. And I'll, you know, like, hey, buddy, you have an inside thought. How do you help inside thoughts become outside thoughts? And they'll go, through our words. And I'm like, yeah, you got to use your words, buddy, because daddy doesn't know what you want if you don't tell me. And I can't help you. And so we speak clearly. You got to communicate. What, what do you want? And so we're teaching them at a young age. Use your words, <laughs> my, my love. Use your words. <laughs> our dating days could have used these. Speak calmly, so, so you know, self-control and, and not being mastered by our emotions and not just losing it. Embracing them because they're important and they're valid, uh, but not be controlled by them. And then kindly, and so, and so speak in ways that, that breathe life into one another. So, so one of the things we do when the kids get real upset, I'll come up in front of them and I'm like, all right, why don't we smell the flowers? And I'll hold my fingers up in front of their hands. So let's smell, uh, in front of their face. Let's smell the flowers. And I'll blow out the candle. <sighs> And so I'm tricking them to taking deep breaths. They don't know it. We're playing a game in their eyes. It's like, okay. <laughs> like, but, but we take a few deep breaths. We count to 10. We use our words to describe how we're feeling and why. Um, and, and all those things. And Lauren's just such a great, I don't know, partner in that. Because like, she reinforces and affirms. And, and you get a heart when I'm not there you know, eight hours a day. So, uh, and, and man, just one of the things you've done that's blown me away recently is... Uh, for Valentine's Day, you helped our boys memorize three Bible verses. 
three Bible You're verses. You're smart, y'all. They did Kids it. Are smart. They did it in two weeks. I'm talking to my two and a half year old can say almost all of every word, and uh, my five year old can say them all word for word, including the references, like First Corinthians. He says First Corinthians, First Corinthians, Matthew, Matthew. But I mean, my wife, she's just amazing. Like I, when you did that, I was like, wow, I'm a terrible dad. I've never me- asked them to memorize any part of the Bible, right? Like, um, youth pastor. Yeah, you're just amazing. So, yeah. All right, number five. How do you and Lauren work through conflicts, fights? So smoothly, so calmly. Well, we love Jesus. He's the center of it all. So we never fight, never uh, raise our voice, never get angry. None of that. No, we've had a few. There, there's, uh, that's a joke. Guys, lighten up, man. We're, we're people. Thank you. Uh, guys, there, there was one fight. There was one fight in particular. We were sitting in my truck. I've never been scared by my wife. <laughs> I've truly, we weren't even married yet. Were we? No. Yes. If we were. If we were, if it, was we were it was early. young and married. Uh, <clears throat> I've never been scared by my wife. There was one fight we were having. We were late to this dinner that had a bunch of people. And you guys know how it is when you, maybe you don't, I don't know what I'm saying. I talk like you guys are all married. You guys know what it's like with your spouse, right? Um, <laughs> when you're running late and you fight, it only amplifies the fight. And so we were supposed to be meeting like eight people at this restaurant and we were fighting. We're sitting in the parking lot, literally already running late and trying to resolve this fight. And I remember my wife, I don't know, I don't even know what I did, but it's the only time I've like, oh, ever been like really scared. You like reared up and you know, the center console in, in my truck, she like, like looked at me and I was like, ooh, girl. <laughs> you are right, you are right, whatever you say. Um, no, we, we're people, we're, we're people. So we have fights, we have conflicts, we have disagreements. We, uh, unfortunately, some, some of the family baggage I've inherited is I, I have a quick temper and, and I'm quick to anger. And over the years, I've had to learn how to not use volume as a tactic or volume as a weapon. I can't, I can't out-volume her. It's not Jesus-like or loving at all. And so how, how can you embrace, like, I am angry about something, but how do I actually communicate this in ways that are helpful? And why am I angry? And, you know, get into all that. Is it ego? Is it pride? Do I feel, you know, like, why do I feel wounded by this? Is it just me being overly sensitive? Like, so I, I, I would say one of the ways we work through conflict is, I mean, it's not perfect. Like, we're learning. But self-evaluation, asking mm-hmm. ourselves hard questions, like, why am I feeling this way? Are there things in my own processing that I need to be aware of? Um, there are times I will admit when, when we fight and I get to the conclusion, no, I think I'm right. (laughs) (laughs) Like I think she's wrong and I'm right. Uh, after I've gone through the whole process, but I I think we're still willing to hear one another's perspective. And, um, so I I would say we, we learned early on of use hyperbolic language of use exaggerating language. Like you always, you never, those aren't true. Don't use those when you fight. They don't do anybody any good. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we've learned like when we're triggered, in, for instance, empty stomach, like food seriously is a huge trigger for Lauren. Uh, and I think for me, probably like if I'm in, I don't know, what would you say? I'll, I'll shut up and kind of let you Sleep speak. Sleep and this. stress. Yeah. Um, I would say that over communicating at the beginning was a good thing for us, especially since communication is one of our big things that we work on. Um, so even telling him, I need to process something because he is very good with words. He likes to verbalize it and go over it. And I really do have to work really hard 
to figure out what's going on yeah. inside me and then I, to figure out how to tell him what's I'm going the guy that's me. like, oh, there's a problem? Well, let's just lay every single thing out on the table right now and process the whole thing so that we can just be done with it. And, and then I and, see that and I go <laughs> blank and I'm like, uh, <laughs> what are we talking well, about? You don't want to fight right now? Like, let's just talk about it. And she's like, no. I mean, this is like, babe, what's wrong? Nothing. No, I can tell yeah, there's something is, wrong. This is the no, I'm cliche, fine. like, I'm fine. No, no I can good. tell there's something. What? I'm fine. Don't no, talk about like, it. Like, let's lay it out. But no, we've, we've learned over time how to do this kind of... So communicating, I need to process this. We also like establish boundaries of you don't just storm out of the room being upset. We sit, we calm down. You don't hit my truck console. (laughs) I don't hit... Scare me like that. That's right. My goodness. So yeah, we're still working on it, but um, that's the key, I guess. Keep working on it. Yeah. Yeah, I think the self-evaluation part is super important there. Like, Mm -hmm. why why do I feel this way? Before I react, before I knee-jerk this thing and just get into all sorts of trouble... Let me look at my own heart first. And the surrounding, like, truly, like, if we haven't had sleep, if, like, um, yeah. we've got stresses going on around us, obviously those are going to create problems, so yeah. we need to, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. check those it all out. All right, I'm going to move us a little quickly here. Let's number uh, number six, how, how can I have, this is a good one, how can I have a good marriage or relationship when I've grown up with a broken example set by my parents? So this is a really good one, I think, because my background is this. I came from a divorced home which I'm still carrying baggage from and still processing. And I bottled it all up for about 10 years. I didn't even know I did it. My parents divorced when I was like nine. And I didn't realize I bottled until I got to college and I was in a counseling class, like learning counseling techniques. And the techniques triggered it. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is all this I'm feeling? And I, all of a sudden, 10 years later, I'm processing this and still am. Like there's still a lot of baggage from that. So I came from a broken home with not the healthiest um, examples um, I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. It wasn't faith-oriented. Um, yeah, like, yeah. So we just didn't have pillars of health that we really oriented our family around. But you, on the other hand. Yeah, I did. I grew up with a great um, great set of parents, grew up in a Christian home. Um, but even that, they're still broken people. And um, even now, like as we've gotten older, my parents have actually said like certain times, like I apologize for how I handled X, Y, Z when y'all were growing up. Like they're, they, they were figuring it out as well, doing the best they could. Um, so I don't think that, I don't know. I think there can be, there can be hard in both a, a broken family and a family that stays together. Um, and I also think it, it just depends. I have two brothers and a sister and all four of us we perceived, we received, we coped, we reacted differently from the same parents, from yeah. the same thing. So um, I think it's going to be, I mean, God has created us all so complex and diverse. So I think it's going to be. Yeah, I, I, I would say to this, um, I think you, you kind of have two pathways. I think one, you're, you're bound to repeat what you experienced. Mm-hmm. If you're not careful, if you're not self-aware if you don't realize the context and how it shaped you, 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 you are a product of your past. That's just reality. Like when people are like, oh, my childhood never affected me. No, stop that nonsense. Yes, it did. Um, so you're bound to repeat it or you're bound to redeem it. And I really think the choice is yours. Um, for instance, I didn't, I didn't realize how much of my dad I am until I got married. And I started seeing all these things like, wow. And, and so I had to, yeah, go through a process, uh, which basically I, I invited people 
I phrased it like this. I, I, I met with a few people and I said, hey, I want to invite you to take an excavator to my soul. Dig in as deep as you can and help me see what I don't see. Because I wanted to redeem my past. I didn't want to repeat my past. Uh, some of you guys uh, have noticed and have asked, why do I wear two wedding rings? And um, so I have double bands. And one is the one that I, that I put on when I married my sweetheart. The other I put on as this symbolic gesture about redeeming my past. Um, when, I, when we were dating, I got super scared of commitment. Like this was around the two and a half year mark. Like it, we'd been dating a while and I realized, okay, like we need to move forward. And I got terrified because I realized I, I started looking through my whole family tree and there wasn't one marriage that lasted. I'm talking like parents, aunts, uncles, grandparents, any set of them like great-grandparents, nowhere in the family tree. So I never knew what marriage really looked like. I never knew what healthy fatherhood was, and I became paralyzed by fear. And so the, the, the second ring, the second band, is basically the ring that my dad should still be wearing. It's the ring that every man in my family tree should still be wearing. But I had a choice as a young man. I, I can hurt from all that and just bottle it and you know do that typical macho thing where it's like, oh, I'm fine, like just have all this stuff. Or I can actually be honest and say, dude, I've been affected. I've got tendencies. I'm prone to repeat. If I'm not honest, if I don't repent, I will only repeat. And so how can I actually position myself to be aware, to repent, and to redeem that, uh, and to, to structure and establish my family on different principles and different value systems than, than the ones I had? But if I'm not honest about, about all that, then I'll never do that. And so I, I think this is a great question, but I, I think part of the answer is like, you have to be honest about who you are and how your past has defined you for better, for worse. You have to be honest about the tendencies you have and, and the personality traits you have and the, the sin uh, habits that you've developed and the ways that you interpret things and the worldview you have. You have to be aware of all of that so that you can begin to repent and invite Jesus into that and others into that to help you see those things, ultimately to redeem it instead of repeat it. It's very difficult. Anything else? Yeah, great. Okay, great. Okay. <laughs> I love you, boo. Okay. All right. Any advice uh, for people who are, I love the quotes on this. Not, Not dating. <laughs> you remember my sermon a few weeks ago? This is the, it's complicated uh, zone right here. Uh, any advice for people who are not dating, but spend a significant amount of time <laughs> with each other? Um, yeah, so don't do that. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Hammer, I have bow. so many questions yeah, for this person. Don't do that. Like, uh, there's, there's a couple ways I think you can interpret this. One, I'll go down two roads. One is, um, yeah, we don't like labels. We, oh, gosh, man. Ding-dongs, don't do this. We, we don't like labels. We don't like titles. Like, we don't, uh, we're not dating. We're just like... Uh, do you guys know what I'm talking about? The no man's land of the relationship is like, mm, what are you then? Like, uh, no, no, they wouldn't even say, I'm not even sure they'd say talking. It's like, we're not, da- we're not even in that zone. We just spend a bunch of time together. It's like, mm, someone needs to be honest with you. Like, don't do yeah, this. Yeah, like what I'm, I'm picturing this person saying is like a guy and a girl who are just like, we're just friends. We just hang out all the time. We're just friends. We don't like each other. Yes. So my oh, thing gosh. is Give me a, a big careful sign. And also... Like, are y'all communicating? Are you continuing to communicate? Because most likely somebody's going to develop feelings. A hundred percent, dude. Like, um, <laughs> dude. And then if not, if for some reason they weren't and the guy goes and gets a girlfriend, they're going to have to Ooh, redefine that whole that's friendship. A great, that's a great, 
uh, evaluator right there. If we're not dating and we hang out a ton, and if you start dating another guy, if that makes me jealous, okay, you, you, you lied to right. yourself. Okay, like if, if you're totally fine with them dating someone else, flirting with someone else, being with someone else, uh, you need to put some definition to this thing. I'd, I'd say you need clarity, you need direction, you need communication. Mm-hmm. But this raises another question, which is like, hey, are you allowed, like, is it possible for a guy and a girl to be best friends? Is it possible to be best friends with someone of the opposite sex and not develop romantic feelings? <laughs> and, and I love it because we convince ourselves we can. I would just tell you, no, yeah. come on. Like, no, you can't. One of you will develop feelings. And, yeah, I have so many questions. Yeah, like one of you typically would develop feelings. Um, and, you know, like, no, man, she's like my sister. Like, again, okay, if she starts dating someone else, are you going to be jealous? Because you wouldn't be jealous of your sister. Like, there's something there we need to... <laughs> I hope. There's something there. So, like, what I, what I would say is, you know, when you're, when you're best friends with someone of the opposite sex, that, like, it's fine to have friends that are girls. It's fine to have friends that are guys. But when you're like best friends and that's like your amigo, that's who you're spending all your time with, I would just say intimacy without commitment, clarity, and boundaries is real, real dangerous. Because more than likely one of you has a secret crush, one of you is secretly wanting it, one of you is like in and the other is either unaware of that or just kind of like dismisses that. I would say it's it's next to impossible to actually have a really, really uh, best friend uh, that's a girl or a guy. And the other thing too is like if, if my best friend's a girl let's say, and I start dating you, that should immediately redefine this friendship. You cannot be dating and have a best friend of the opposite sex too. And you definitely can't be married and doing that. So like, but then people are like, no, I can, man, come on, like we're friends. Like, okay, yeah, you're friends, but it's like, it's not the same, homie. Like you need to recognize the danger level you're flirting with here. Um, and unfortunately I did this in college. This is why I'm kind of adamant about it. Cause I had a, a best friend that was a girl and I didn't like her at all. Like that's my, that's my bro, but she's a girl and she had a mega crush on me and I didn't know it. And I don't know. Like I, I look back now and I'm like, wow, you clown, you idiot. What were you doing with her heart, man? But then I was like, nah, we friends, man. We chill it. Like, I don't know. I was just being dumb. So a lot of layers, a lot of questions to, yeah, I, I would say, dude, yeah, put, put yeah. some clarity and communication and direction on this stuff. All right, number eight. How do you know <laughs> you found the one and that you're not rushing in anything? I'm going to zoom through this one because I spoke on this uh, three weeks ago. So go listen to that sermon or two weeks ago. I don't know. Uh, I don't believe that there is a, the one. Uh, some of you guys know that. I think there are many and the person you choose is the one you choose. It's based more on compatibility. It's based more on who you are. It's based more on life season and life timing and things like that. If there is such a thing as the one, if anybody ever got that decision wrong, the repercussions would be a domino effect that affects everyone. So in other words, if I married you, but you weren't my the one, now your husband that should have married you is now stuck settling with someone else that's not his the one and so on and so forth and so on. Like, it's just silly. That's Hollywood stuff. But there are compatible people in this world for you, more compatible than others. And to the second part of this question, I would say, how do you know you're not rushing into anything? Uh, I would say, like, how long have you been together? How old are you? And, that, and that's not to, meant to be like a, a diss towards your age. But I do think there's a validity to like, I wouldn't advise 17-year-olds to start considering marriage. I just wouldn't. Um, so how long have you been together? How old are you? And then what is your community saying? What are people speaking into your life? And if your answer to that is, well, 
nothing because I don't have people speaking into my relationship life, then I would say pause everything. Don't date anyone until you establish a community that can speak into your life. Yeah, I definitely think at this stage in life, um, forever's asking this question, time is your friend and there's so much life to live. I feel like culture rushes everybody to grow up, to grow up, to grow up. Um, Especially Christian culture. Don't you find Christian culture is weird, man. It's like you can be hanging out with someone. Babe, can you not leave me hanging? Thanks. You can be hanging out with someone. You can be hanging out with someone like holding hands and people be like, are you guys, you guys talking about marriage yet? I see you holding hands. Like, what are you? No, like just like Christian culture is so weird. They just push, you know, ring by spring and all this stuff. And like, golly, man, just chill for a second. So yeah. what were you saying? I, I interrupted no, was, you, but you're good. Okay. Thanks, babe. I love you. Side, side slapping's going well. <laughs> um, I know I'm going through these kind of quick. I just want to make sure we get to some. All right. How far? Ooh, babe. I want you to answer this, babe. Babe. How far? Is too far. Is too far. And how do you set parameters? How do you set boundaries in a relationship? Yeah. My love. I My love. Because I know you had a really hard time resisting me when we, when we, <laughs> when we were dating. <laughs> For the podcasters, Lauren, stop kissing me right now. Oh, like, Lord. we're in the middle of this. Um, no, I this really, yeah, I really don't love the question, how far is too far? I think, um, I think that's just the wrong mindset, maybe. Um, Tell him, babe. I think. Tell him, babe. <laughs> as far as the parameters, um, hmm. I think you constantly need to be reevaluating those. I think, obviously, we harp on these a lot, but communication is huge. Honesty is huge. Guys, you're still figuring out so much mm-hmm. at this stage in life. Like, yeah. um, you've got a lot of emotions going on, a lot of hormones going on. Um, no, not this group. Oh, not this group. No, this group has self control. Okay. Um, I just think that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think this is just a, a different mindset that maybe needs to be turned around a little bit. And um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't want to spend a ton of time because, again, I, I, this, was a whole, a this was a whole point of mine in a sermon two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So you can go listen to that. But I, I, I would say this I think a better question is not how far is too far, but when should we start? being physical at all. And uh, biblically speaking, it is very clear, the, the only infrastructure that can withstand the gravity of sex is a, is a permanent covenant relationship, a lifelong relationship. Um, so a dating relationship cannot handle that weight. It, it just can't, deteriorates, because sex is so powerful. Uh, you become one, the Bible says. The same, the same word, echad, describes the Trinity. Behold, Israel, our God is one. He's Echad. That, so the same oneness of the Trinity is the same oneness you become when you have sex. It's just so powerful. And the only thing that can help or hold that up is a covenant relationship. Uh, I would say some parameters, though. I, I would say this. Um, uh, I think a simple one is like, don't do anything in private that you wouldn't do in public. And I know that sounds like super cheesy and like, oh, man, that's just not even romantic. Like, okay, well, are you more concerned about how romantic things are? Are you more concerned about purity? You know what I mean? Like, I get that that's kind of a cheesy standard. But yeah, like once you cross this line, you can never go back to the other side. And so it's always, always easier easier to move forward than to try to redefine something that you used to be at, always. And so I would just say, man, if you're not comfortable doing it in public, like if if you guys wouldn't cuddle up, like if if we go to um, Reedy River Park or something. (laughs) Who calls it Reedy River Park? What's it called? Do y'all call that that? What's it called? 
It falls apart. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Didn't know if I was like, I mean, I still part my hair on the side and everything. Yeah, so you're, who knows? you're such a millennial, babe. And I saw your skinny jeans. I was like, oh, where's her right. boyfriend? So jeans? not like, up to date. Um, no, if you, go, if you guys go to a park, would you lay down on the grass and cuddle up and start making out in the park? And I don't know, maybe some of you guys are like, yeah. <laughs> I say, well, let's talk. <laughs> talk to me after. But if you wouldn't do it in public, I, I would say don't do it in private. Like, that's just a very, very simple rule. I think also Matt spoke a little bit before on this a few weeks ago, but um, what you're setting now, what you're setting your foundation on now, um, that's what you're carrying into marriage. Like if you're, oh, these are your it, words, babe. Preach, oh my, babe, <laughs> um, don't, don't, you left okay, me hanging on sorry. that one, but I'll just give um, myself some love. I know what, like I love in, high school, <laughs> in high I love school, you. my dad would always say, like as we were going out to a party or something, remember who you are and whose you are, and we're like, Dad. But it's true. Like, you need to remember who you are. You went to you parties are. in high school? I didn't know that. We'll talk later. Okay. Um, also, to live above reproach. I know that also sounds like, oh, that's so like. Yeah. But truly, like, you want to live above reproach. You're not going to get those moments back. You're building what you're mm-hmm. going to, now what you're going to carry into marriage and into your other relationships. Yeah, like, I, I, here, here's the deal. It's like, if, if we cross lines dating, that's a weird noise. If we cross lines dating, couple of things. One, I think when you, when you break up or if you break up, when you eventually do marry someone, I think you're going to be carrying some guilt there. Like you're going to be wrestling with some like, man, I, I messed up. I did some things with other people, not you. Um, or two, uh, let's say you're, you're fooling around while dating and you marry that person. I still think you're going to be carrying baggage and, and because those things become foundational issues. So it, it's kind of like this. What you're doing during dating is you are proving to them that you are trustworthy in your words and your actions. If you tell someone you're dating, like, oh, girl, you know I love you, then prove you love her. Prove it by practicing self-control. Prove it by honoring her body and her heart and her emotions. A good way to think about this is I'm, I'm saving you from myself for myself. Like, in other words, I don't want to do anything now because there's going to be a later. I, I don't want to cross lines now that are going to create baggage and guilt and problems that later we'll have to deal with. I'm saving you from me for me later and for you. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's just, I, I would, look, I know it's hard and I know you're right. Hormones are raging right now, right? Like, but if you think about it long term, um, marriage should be for life, ought to be for life. Babe, I mean, you know, we're going to get 50, 60 great years together where we get to do all sorts of fun things as, uh, hold hands, uh, as, as often as we want, you know? And, and so that compared to what, a few years of, of withholding to protect that, like that, that it's the payoff, right? And it's also, it's again, proving to them that you're trustworthy. Like the last thing you want to do is marry someone, girls, marry someone and that dude goes on a business trip on like year five of marriage and you're pregnant with your second kid and maybe 40 pounds overweight and you're insecure and does he love my love handles? Like all these things, right? Which girl I did all the time. <laughs> love your body. That's weird to say. I just meant like every... <sighs> <sighs> Lauren, stop kissing me already. Um, but, but girls, the last thing you want to worry about is like, oh, he's on some business trip somewhere like... I don't feel confident in the way I look. Can I trust him when, when he's overseas? Can I trust him when he's out of state? Can I trust him when he's alone and I don't know what he's doing? And if you look back on your own dating years and you realize like, 
he said that he would be pure with me, but he really wasn't. All of a sudden, you're starting to doubt his word. Like, you, you're building trust now that applies later. Guys, same thing. Like, if you, you know, tell your girl all the most beautiful things you can when you first get married and you write her poems and you buy her flowers and all this stuff, and by year five or eight, that's where we're at, you're just like taxed, man. You got nothing left in the tank. You're like, I'm not, I don't even know what to say. I love you. <laughs> like, you don't even know what to say anymore. Like, you don't want to have to worry that your wife is going to try to fill that gap through someone else. Like, dating is the time where you prove that your words and actions carry weight, that what you say, you mean. And you definitely don't want to do this thing where you're like, I love you, and I'll be pure with you. And then you just don't do that at all, because it, it creates these splinters later that you have to deal with. So, not how far is too far. When should you start? I would, I would also say, listen, uh, depending on how sexualized you are, and this is different for everyone. For me, I was crazy hypersexualized. Um, like I, I found addictions to pornography when I was very, very young. I French kissed a girl uh, for the first time when I was like four or five, and I knew what I was doing. Like I knew that I was using my tongue, which was different than regular kissing. I was very aware of being physical with girls early on. It's like my son's age, oldest son. That's crazy. Um, and just got pulled into a lot of physical stuff way young, way early. So I was super sexualized. So for me, the standard should be way more conservative. So, so the more sexualized you are, the more conservative your standard. Because some of you are going to be able to handle hand-holding and arms around each other and front, frontal hugs. <laughs> oh, it's not a side hug? Mm, come here. Like, you're going to be able to handle those things. Uh, you're going to be able to handle kisses on the cheek. You're going to be able to handle maybe kisses on the lips. I don't know. I'm not saying you should. Please don't mistake me here. But some of you guys are going to be able to handle that and not move towards like, <laughs> I need you. But others of you, like myself, can't. You just don't have the self-control. And so I would say when it moves from attraction to arousal, like when it goes from this category of like, I'm attracted to you, you're beautiful, I have these feelings towards I want you now, like that category, I would say you're doing things that get you there. And for some of you, that means you probably shouldn't kiss while dating. And I know you hear that, and you're like, oh, that's so lame. You know, I'm not worried about how lame it is. I'm more worried about your purity and your heart. And if it protects that relationship, then have a more conservative standard based on how sexualized you are from your past, your childhood, and all those things. For me, I needed some super strict standards because uh, I was super sexualized, and my way to receive love and give love is physical, like physical touch. That's what I desire. And so, yeah, for, for me, it was like, I don't know. Like, I, let's not look at each other till we're married. <laughs> I'll, wear, think, I'll wear a blindfold. <laughs> yeah. I do think that in this stage of life, whoever was asking this question, um, uh, it's really easy to just, I mean, you're around your thoughts, your emotions, your hormones, everything all the time. It's really hard not to get stuck there. Yeah. Um, it's a really good practice to take a step back, zoom out. Life is so much more than just this little stage. Um, and yeah. yeah, the foundation of this little stage is going to continue on moving up. It's so hard too, because culturally speaking, it they seems so weird yeah. to have standards of purity. It seems so weird. But to we're like, set apart. We're supposed to be set apart. Give it babe. to me, babe. Give it to me. Um, yeah. All right. Anyway, that's a great one. We got to move here. I'm going I'm to like rapid fire these last few. Number say 10. Say this after every question. Uh, what is the role? What? <laughs> you say that after every question. We're going to move. We're going to keep going. Yeah, we're going to move. <laughs> Uh, what is the role of friends, family, community within your dating relationship? Here, here's why I love this. Our culture right now is the most individualized culture on the planet in all of history. American culture, autonomy, individuality, like my life is mine, my relationship is mine. All this nonsense. 
what I would say is friends and family and community have a few distinct roles. I think they speak wisdom. I think they should hold you accountable. I think they should rebuke you. I think they should celebrate. I think they should encourage. I think they should affirm those six things. What we've done in our culture is made culture all about us, very individualistic, very self-focused. We've done this in our faith. Like my walk with Jesus is mine. Like us and God, me and God. That's what we say. No, it's, it's not us and God. It's us and God. Remember, it's not good for man to be alone. Community is, is the foundation of our faith. Your, your belief in Jesus was an individual decision. Your faith in Jesus is a communal effort. It's all of us, but we don't like that. No, 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 I wanna hold everything tight. No, really what you wanna do is hide your sin. And, and so a community should have a role in your relationships. If you have people coming to you saying things like, hey man, like, I just gotta be honest, there's some yellow flags I see in your relationship and how you're leading it and how you're going about it. There's flags in that person that I see that you don't see and I just gotta tell you about them. If you've got someone in your life like that, treasure them, value them. Please don't let your sin make you angry and dismiss them out of your life. They love you enough to tell you something that hurts and it's gonna hurt them too. That's how much they love you. But we don't like that and so we put up walls. In fact, what we do is we, we seek validation. We ask enough people till we hear what we wanna hear. And then we're like, ah, see, I knew I was right. I knew I was right. No, you weren't right. You just finally found someone that's as foolish as you are. Oh, that was a hammer hit. I'm sorry. I, it's deep in there. I can't take it back. So, um, so if, I would say this. If you're dating alone, if you don't have people in, speaking in, if you don't have perspective looking in, if you don't have accountability, if you don't have friends, family, um, or community speaking into that relationship, you are setting yourself up for failure. You cannot do it without people, or you cannot do it well, I should say. That's my, that's my answer. What do you think, babe? I like it. Okay. <laughs> All right, number 11. If I have a sinful past, are my future relationships destined to be broken? In other words, if, if I've made mistakes, if I've fooled around in my past, if I've had sex in my past, if I've had a sinful past, are my relationships destined to be that way too? I definitely think um, if you haven't worked through those sinful, whatever the sinful past is, the sinful trait, the sinful thoughts, whatever, then most likely it's going to negatively affect the future relationships. Any baggage, any part of your life is going to be carried into your next relationship, into the next part of your life. Um, but are you destined to have it be broken? Not necessarily. You have a choice there. You have a choice to do the hard work, to figure out why, why you made those choices. How can you change those choices? Yeah. Um, it's a great yeah. word. I love that. The self-work that happens in singleness. Mm, Love that. Um, I would say too, our God is such a God of grace and forgiveness mm -hmm. and you cannot out -sin the grace of God. You cannot do that. God's grace is sufficient in your sin and he forgives you. Because I know, like I know there are students who are like, oh, I've had sex, man, I've blown it. And you carry around the shame and guilt. And I would say a repentant heart, a heart that says I was wrong, you know, Father, forgive me, is forgiven. Like mm -hmm. it, it's done. It's, it's, you don't need to carry around the shame of that. It's already been paid for. And you're not destined to repeat those mistakes unless you choose to repeat them, which is what my sweetheart's saying. I think that's a great word. We gotta move quick. All right, number 12, should you date in high school? <laughs> Again, I think this is just our culture yeah, take rushing that one. Take you that to grow up, guys. <laughs> like, uh, everyone's just like rushing to get that next best thing and, and culture is pushing relationship because we all long for it. And that's not wrong. God created us as relational beings. Um, but I think there's such a, a beautiful time to 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 figure out who you are and, and not have to, 
I mean, I make it sound horrible, like connect yourself with someone. You're going to, once you do that, you are going to mess out on other experiences. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you have to choose. I think getting as much life experiences as you can while you're young is a great idea. God can teach you so much. You're so good, babe. I I would say this, guys, and I say this as, as your shepherd, your pastor. It is not sinful to date in high school. It is not wrong to date in high school. Would I say it's wise? No, I don't think it's wise to date in high school. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's sinful. I just don't think it's wise for a lot of reasons. I have never in my life ever met a person um, who's, who's grown and gotten older and then looked back on their high school years and thought, you know what? I was really smart and wise in all of my decisions in high school. Wow, go, go me. Like I've never met that person. High school is this unique time, especially in our culture and the way we've got it structured. But, but scientifically speaking, even like psychologically, you are not self-aware, fully self-aware until about the age of 22. Like your brain's not done developing. There are, th- my psychology, <laughs> thank you, Maddie. Like there are things going on in you that are not done developing yet. There's wisdom that's not instilled in you yet. There, there's processing uh, things going on in your brain that aren't fully matured yet. Like this is a season in life where you're gonna make some foolish decisions. And so I, I would just say, hey man, I've never really seen, um, with the exception of one, a high school relationship actually become a long-term thing that endured college that led to uh, a marriage. I've only ever seen one in my whole life. And that's the exception, man. And some of you guys in here are like, oh, see, there's hope. I can do it. I can do it. Some of you guys are like, challenge accepted. That's fine. Bravo to your, you know, gusto there. I'm just saying there's so much in you that God still is still doing. There's so much about you that you're still learning. Um, There's just so much pain uh, that could be so easily avoided just by waiting and allowing maturity to to continue to take place and pursue Jesus. And, And I'm not saying like, therefore freshman year of college, there you go. Like, I'm not saying that. It's more so about a season of life to me than anything. And High school is just such a unique season. I I just would say it's not the wisest place to actually start dating. That's just my opinion. It's not biblical. You don't have to take it. That's just my opinion. Uh, All right. Any last advice, babe? Last thing. Any any final advice? Um, I think just remembering life isn't just now. Like, Mm -hmm. enjoy singleness. Enjoy being young. Enjoy the fun things. <laughs> Enjoy your youth. I know. My wife. Um, so and old. really, You're truly, so I'm old, so man. old. You're such and a also, millennial. just don't forget, like, truly, step back, zoom out, spend some time with silence and solitude. These are not the cool things to do necessarily, but it gives you great perspective. God can really teach you in those times um, and to allow those times to, or have the opportunity to have those times when, I mean, high school, you guys y'all are getting so much thrown at you. Yeah. Um, it's good. More than just relationships. Yeah, I think it's great. I, I, the only thing I would say is let it be about Jesus. And by it, I mean your life. I mean your relationships. I mean your dating, all of it. Um, I believe that Jesus uh, was, was a real person who lived 2,000 years ago. And the words he spoke and the things he taught are the ways of life. And I think he teaches a lot on relationship principles. And though the Bible doesn't talk about dating specifically, I think Jesus talks a lot about relationships and how to build a foundation there. And I, w- I would just say I have discovered uh, life and health in his teachings uh, more than I ever did when I was not walking with Jesus as a teenager. So I'd say make it about Jesus, and that's when the best thing, not one of the best thing you can do in your relationships because that'll define not just dating, but marriage and intimacy and sexuality and parenting 
and all these things that come down the road. The That's very hard to think about right now as a high schooler, but it does matter. So make it about Jesus. That's what I got. Babe, I love you. You're awesome. I love you, babe. I, I just, oh my gosh, I get to be married to you. This is wild, man. Hey, thank you so much, my sweetheart, for, for coming and teaching. Um, I'm not invisible. Yeah, she's real. It means a lot. It means a lot to me. I'm so, I'm just so proud to have you here. Um, I love that you were here. So thank you so much for sharing your perspectives yeah, and, and insights. And guys, thank you all so much for showing my wife some love. Uh, so yeah, uh, she'll be hanging around a little bit afterwards. I'm sure. I don't know. Some of you guys might be like, <laughs> all right. So advice. Uh, <laughs> no. But uh, yeah, let me pray for us and, and we'll go. We'll be on our way. Father, we love you so much. We thank you so much. For tonight, I thank you for uh, my love uh, and the road that we've walked together and the road you've brought us down and just uh, helping us learn. Jesus, all of these questions tonight are questions that Lauren and I had to navigate to and uh, dealing with fears and doubts and insecurities and problems and challenges, discontentment and comparison and all of it. It's just part of living in a broken world. And Jesus, you redeem and you forgive and you reconcile us to yourselves. And we're so thankful for that. You give us hope. And so I do pray over this group of amazing, incredible students and people that they would find hope and life in you, Jesus, and find hope and life in their relationships in you and find an identity through you and build their life upon you. We ask these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen.